It feels so silly. It feels so silly. Sounds silly. Your voice would be great for like an emergency, you know, gas is released into the community. (laughs) (laughs) You all have five minutes to live. Gas. Warning. Warning. (laughs) Gas. Uh, Bad vibes. Bad (laughs) vibes in area. (laughs) Be chill. Wraith kind of scoots out a chair and heads out to the street. And a short distance away is a small courier station where he's left all of the mail and belongings. And assuming Travis follows, he will find his duck and several packages strapped to the back of it. On arrival, Braith hands you a letter very distinctly sketched out in in familiar handwriting from Margaret. He also flips open a little notepad and says, okay, um, here's your duck. Uh, This package, he puts his hand on it, says this is the gold, should be a thousand pieces. This package next to it is a uh, mummified monkey. I don't know what that's about. And then um, this little package right here, which he lifts up out of the saddle and hands to you, says this is apparently a silver dagger uh, with a crow skull on the handle. Now, either all of these are very fun puzzle pieces that I'm going to have to sort out, or it's just a bunch of goofy set dressing, and either way, I'm into it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. I tried to ask the broker what this stuff was, and he was not having it, so I guess... It's a surprise. (laughs) He's going to love it. I know it. Warmest regards from the broker, I guess. Uh, there's no way that that, that that person could get even a little bit warm. <laughs> she was pretty Cla- clammy regards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Last last thing. Um, I really got to get this letter to Uriel. Can you help me? Okay. So here's the thing. You've been honest with me. I'll be honest with you. I I know exactly who that is, but the weird thing is they don't know that that's who they are. So in giving it to them, it would sort of reveal a lot of information that might freak their being a little. Um, (laughs) So could we maybe scratch out that name and write a different name or is it a sort of uh, that would be mail fraud, unfortunately. <laughs> so, says the person who promised to destroy a sack of letters. I never said I was going to destroy it. You said dispose. I'm going to set it on the floor right here. And if someone else happens to re-deliver it, that's not my problem. If they, I swear to God, if those get delivered, I will, I will absolutely shoot the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, I know before you said that I... You couldn't deliver mail to me if it wasn't to me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Could you do me a solid and at least let me deliver this so that I'm the one to tell them who they are? They're sort of a a very important and very close frenemy. (laughs) James, what kind of vibe am I getting right now? Should Braith trust this man? I, I mean, first of all, the thing, one of the things about Travis that is immediately apparent. If it wasn't apparent enough to you when he was trying to lie about your parents, is that Travis's vibes generally are rancid. (laughs) It's like a rotting onion. It's a powerful and, and pungent odor that radiates off of this person. However, there is a dip in that energy. Very much uh, like 
he was talking about the spectacular character development that that he has gone through earlier and within the face-punching insincerity of that statement there was also a note of undeniable truth and here you can tell perhaps for the first time meeting him at all that this is a moment where this person is not lying to you all right you you've done me a solid today and uh you know, it sounds like you really have done some emotional journeying. And hey, man, I'm proud of you. That's hard work. So I'm going to trust you right now. And the next time we meet, I want to meet Uriel. And I'm going to ask them if they got their letter. I appreciate that. Um, and if you could do one last favor and give me the name of the Postmaster General, I would like to report mail from <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that would be Fithinavrante. Oh, okay, great. Well, <laughs> I was just—I was just messing with you. I. Uh. is literally the person that sent me here. So honestly, good luck with them. They are—they're a pistol. Well, hopefully we never meet, or maybe they're a mummified monkey. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, it, next time we do meet, either you can say, hey, Uriel, and they'll answer, or they won't know what you're talking about. And that's how you'll know if I did it or not. Great. With that, Braith, you can feel a sense of relief. You have completed a very difficult task. It has been a long time coming here. You've had to make a lot of sacrifices to do this. You've had to meet a lot of strange and dangerous people. Travis, just being the most recent in that line of strange and dangerous people that you've met, is there anything you do or do you take off directly? No, that's this part of his mission complete. Other than getting supplies, I think Braith heads back to his bird and goes on to the next step. Yeah, yeah, we see we see Braith like swing up onto his bird's back and you know, 90s teen heartthrob style take off. <laughs> this, we return to the town square proper where like music is playing. I, I think there is a big fire that, that is started up and like the people of honor, those who are passing from their childhood into adulthood are standing there with the people who accompanied them on the hunt and the people who accompanied them on the run. Jonnet. Jonnet, we are going to turn to you. Yeah. You have to assign roles for each of the people who assisted you on this journey. One of them is your beak. The other is your claws. Someone is your wings. Someone is your tail. Uh, someone is your comb. Who is what? Do I have like, that many people? Well, this includes this includes your father. This can include Zana. Like you know, th this is because some of the people helped you grow up to be who you are, and some of them helped you cross the threshold from childhood to adulthood. All right, give me those. Give me them one more time. We got the beak. We got beak. We 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 got we got claws or whatever it is. Maybe turkeys have talons. talons. I don't know what you call those. Yeah, Faint. your your wings. Your tail and your—I guess it's not a comb; it's a gobble. Or no, is this a chicken thing? It's a waddle. A chicken I thing? believe. A There's no way to know. Yeah, no, no. This isn't a turkey thing. This is a chicken thing. So it's actually—I did write it down correctly. It's beak, okay. spurs, wings, tail, and comb. And comb? Yeah, comb. Like a rooster. Comb. Like rooster parts. Gotcha. All right. Beak, spurs, wings, tail, comb. Is is this like internally, or am I making an announcement? So what 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 happens is like there is 
there is like a lot of like music building up and one by one, like you and Zana and Percy are going to be going up and you're going to be talking about the people in your life who helped you and what they mean to you. And the format for that is going, Gable, step forward. Gable, you are my blank. You, you have done this and I thank you for this as I, you know, move on for whatever. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, I guess Jonnet kind of takes a second, gives like a nod to like himself, steps forward. All right, well, um, uh, Gable? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so they what? No, you're they good. Were... I wasn't paying attention, sorry. No, it's so good. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, Gable, um, you are, uh, you are my beak. You are, uh, you, you, you feed me. You, you protect me. You, um, and, and I feel like you'd poke out an eye, um, for me. And I, I think that, that, oh, it's been, well, I've known you, uh, for a little while, and and I, I think you are you are nur- nurturing and supportive, and much like much like a beak. And um, is there anything that like is given or handed over? I, I think with this, th- there's probably like a little decorative element that they add to your outfit. Like I kind of like that. It's yeah, they, it's they just get like a little pen. Yeah. So then, Johnny goes up and there's like a small little little beak well yeah it's small um and so he kind of like it pins it on on gable and um historically the pens don't really stay so if you you probably don't want to have that on your person permanently it'll probably right. fall off fantastic uh I mean, gable gets john into a big hug lifts him up and, and whispers to him i'm gonna make sure you live forever <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. You, if you want y'all, to, ha- y'all do not sell immortality well. I know, but if you want to, I can do it. I no no. If no, you no, want no, to, please, please, I can do no. it. No no no. If you want, to. let's just enjoy the time we have together. Right. Um, and um, next up, uh, we have Captain Oromar Vale of the Uhuru. And like, I, I think all of this is like punctuated by drums and claps and like people. Yeah, yeah. Ormar is brought before the fire in front of Jonnet. Everybody claps and whoops. Mm -hmm. There is some mild hesitancy and tension as uh, Ormar moves within fire range, but, you know, stands where he's supposed to. Uh, Even before, uh, you know, the incident, um, you were, uh, you lifted me up. You, you were one of the the fables that I wanted to follow into the sky, and and what was done uh, with you to you, I can never stop apologizing for, and I hope that you can see past that. But I I truly think that I've learned so much from you. I've grown so much from you, and um, you keep me in. You literally keep me in the air. You are my wings. And and so he gives him a pen. Mm-hmm. Armar's head tilts forward, and uh, his uh, tricorn hat obscures his face. But uh, you, dear here, thank you very much, Jonathan Kessler, as he walks past you and sits back down. <laughs> and then uh, let's see, I, Douglas Kessler, Kessler. <laughs> Gobble. <laughs> He's gonna. Uh, he was sitting this whole time because the run took a lot out of him. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, I'm getting out. Uh, uh, no, no, no. It's like no, screw no, tradition. No, no, no. Screw no, tradition. No, this, I am not. No, no. Up. I'm coming to you. This I'm coming to you. I'm I don't care. I'm no, no, no. And I'm so we meet directly of, in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, get your hands above your head, you know, get the blood circulating. Yeah, but then my shoulders, I'm tired. I'm tired. Just let me, I, I will, I'll, yeah. You write me. You, you, you make sure that even, even when you weren't around, when I was gone, when I left, 
I thought of you to plot my course, to sail, to right this ship. You're my tail. And, and I, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't do this any, without you. It all falls apart without the tail. So, Dad, I love you. Just take this thing. You knew you were going to get this one. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. And I, you know, for what it's worth, I am beyond uh, proud and ecstatic to see the young man you've turned into. Johnny reaches into his, his pocket, pulls out the spurs, tosses it at Zana. You're the spurs, Zana. Boom, 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 gobble. Next up. Oh. <laughs> or give your sister a good speech. I want to shout all out right. to all my friends. Um, I want to shout out to my brother. Thank you so much for this opportunity to get up on the stage, really show people who I am. You know, it's your birthday and everything. We love you, bro. Um, and then I, I toss you um, a handkerchief embroidered with your name. <laughs> and that's just some flavor. Yeah. That's just showing, cla- like people in the crowd, like lean over. That is classy. That mm, is so yes. classy that she had that. Really beautiful. Oh yes, she, uh, she's sharp. I think I'm gonna slap Johnnet upside the head and just be like, say something nice about your sister. I'm saying I was gonna say it. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to say it up top. You're you're sharp, and and you're scrappy, and and it. I underestimate you. And I'm going to try not to do that because you sneak up on me. All right? You're a good brother. Thank you. And I give him a big hug. All right. I squeeze him tight. And I, I hug back. And then I jerk away. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sit down. And, uh, and finally, Travis Matigo, you're all pomp. You're all circumstance. You're all flavor. You are the comb on the top of the head. <laughs> this is all you. You know, I was getting a little nervous that you weren't going to call me, but it's nice to know you wanted to save the best for last. That's not exactly. I was just kind of like looking down at the list I had and kind of going as I was going. Okay, but you did make the list, so. But well, I, 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 well, the list was given to me, and then the list changed a tiny little bit. What, all right, whatever, okay. whatever. What, Do you want what? this? I feel like you're putting on a show right now. Put this on your head. Is that not why you gave it to me? It is why I gave it to you, and I wish that it wasn't it wasn't true at every moment. But at, at the same time, sometimes we got to show off, and sometimes we got to have a little fun, and sometimes you're the you're the man to go to for all that. And uh, sometimes you're not afraid to to get a little flashy and bend the rules just in case uh, for for the other people in the crew. And and I love you. So take this. Jonnet, I take this humbly. And I would like I to give that. you this. It's a piece of gold that you can put in your hair. I thought you might like it because I saw you wearing one exactly like this. I dropped this <laughs> on the... Oh, uh, and then he looks to see he looks to see if the cap, captain saw that. And he, he quickly runs up, grabs it. Thank you. I mean, John, it doesn't take long to figure out that you definitely didn't drop it, and Travis definitely fucking picked your pocket on it. As a turkey? (laughs) I've been a guy for a while. (laughs) Okay, look, you can't, you cannot pickpocket co-workers. Oh, I assure you, I can. You should not... Thank I'm a man you, now. I'm a man now, Madigo. and I'm choosing. I'm choosing so my own health for this. No, he got. He already got everyone clapping. <laughs> <laughs> so much class. Very classy. <laughs> so much class. With that, Jonnet steps back down, and you know Percy will stand up, go through, go through his parts. But I really want to get to Zana, Zana Kessler. Now I. I think there are plenty of people that, that, that you might name that, that we don't see because we didn't get a, a, the time, the raw physical time to investigate your coterie of friends that went out on the turkey hunt in the woods. Danferny, Dialer, Dyson, Diffany. Yeah, <laughs> all, all of the various Ds. But I do want to know on, on that list, as I looked it up and on, on roosters and chickens, it's all going to be, they all get beaks, they all get spurs, wings, tails, and combs. So I, I want to know where on that list do Douglas, Captain, D'Antonia Crossblade, Jonnet, 
and uh, hip fall for you. I believe that, Jonnet, you are my spurs. Because as an as much as I love my brother and he annoys me and he gets down to the root of who I am and understands what I need to be kicked forward. So thanks, brother. For hip, you are my tail. As a family, we could fall back on you and you would ride us. You were basically a kickstand coming out my butt and I appreciate you. <laughs> hip is smiling. Like I think like Hip is in probably a wheelchair or something with the massive trauma that, that he has recently suffered. <laughs> but he smiles with that warm glow that he radiates uh, anytime he's happy. And I think Hip, more than most characters, is someone who should have at least a few gold teeth. Like, that just feels very spot on for the character. Yeah, some of them are jewels as well. Mm-hmm. Like in the, but in the back to keep them safe. Doug, Liz, or da- father, dad, I-, I won't make you get up. Uh, too late. I'm already you... getting up. I'm just, I-, I sat back down. <laughs> got comfortable, but I'm getting it. It's, it's for y'all. It's for the kids. Uh, let me... <laughs> I'm, I'm up. I'm up. More parts of his body crack than you think could be inside a human body. <laughs> oh, that actually I will felt say good. that you are my wings. You've got enough love for both of us, and you make everyone feel small in your arms and protected. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you, baby. And for you, Cap. Captain D'Antonio, I give you my beak. For you gave me a voice when I didn't think that mine was strong enough. And I'll squawk for the rest of my life, Cap. And I salute them and pin on the beak. And as you do this, she breaks down into tears. Cap! And they're not happy tears. And for the first time in your life, you see Captain D'Antonia Crossblade look vulnerable, perhaps even ashamed, and she has to run. No, I, I follow her. I say, uh, excuse me, everyone, and I follow Cap. Yeah, yeah, like, the, there, there's, there's a pause in the ceremony, and they try to continue on. There is the conferring the power that you've earned still to go, but obviously your captain is more important to you. You follow her. She's, she's really just trying to get away from the light. Uh, she's so emotionally overwhelmed that she wouldn't be able to outpace you even if she wanted to. I direct her over to a turkey hut. Where they've have like covered like a gazebo in like turkey feathers. Oh, I love a turkey feather gazebo. Yeah, <laughs> a private moment. Cap, please, Antonia, please tell me what's going on. Zana, I can tell you're upset. Zana, I haven't been honest with you. I mean, a lot of people lie about a lot of things, and I'm a I'm a woman now. I can handle another lie. Zana. People, most people don't lie about this. And and I don't even know where to start. Zana, I'm your mother. <laughs> what? So wait, she uh, Zana clutches the, the necklace that she just got. So th- wait, how long did you know you were my mother? Did, did a spell just happen? Or did you just know this? This is... I I suspected when you came on the ship and I wasn't sure for a long time and and, and most of it I tried to put that behind me and and what I thought for your sakes when when you came on the ship I I thought about getting you off as quickly as possible because your father and I not neither of us wanted this this kind of a life for you and so and you all you, just let me sit there looking stupid well, that's, while my whole life no, was passing no, baby, me no, by? No, baby, baby, you, you gotta listen to me. No, you didn't look stupid. I tried to turn you away. I gave you the hardest work that I would give anyone to try and turn you away. And each time, each time you push past it, 
each time I thought that you could be slowed down or, or stopped or made to live a quiet life that was far away from adventure or danger, you sailed right over. And watching you here tonight stand in front of everybody, you're grown now. And at first, at first I was trying to keep you safe. I was trying to keep Douglas safe. I was trying to keep Jonnet safe, but it was selfish. It was selfish because I couldn't, I couldn't stand the thought of doing the things that I thought needed to be done, putting you in crosshairs. But you grew up and you found this life on your own and you deserve the truth. And it's so big, I didn't know how to say it. So now what do we do? Now that you've got this off of your chest, now how do we live? Am I, do I get my own crew? Do I leave? Do I stay? I need a mom now. Now you're my mom. Tell me what to do. I think she moves forward and wraps you up in a hug and says, if you'll have me, I want to be right by your side still. I don't, I don't want you to go anywhere. I, I want you, I want you to be with me and I want to do all the things that we missed out on doing, but I got to tell a lot more people what happened. Well, it's, it's your truth to tell, not mine. I don't deserve this, but would you be with me? I'll stay with you. She grabs your hand and she holds it so firmly. And you can feel the rush of emotions that she has been holding back for the better part of a year, watching you grow, take on challenges, face dangers, and each time become stronger, more capable, more wise, exactly the sort of woman that she dreamed you would become. The two of you walk back together as the ceremony is ongoing. D'Antonia now is shaking, but standing firm, not running, ready to face, ready to face a conversation that she knows will be very hard. But of course, before that can happen, you and Jonnet have earned an honor, the highest honor in the community of Acheron. You have earned the power of sending feathers. Before you Others who have passed your trials stand up. Now, one thing that I don't know that we made clear in any of our actual recordings, apart from the world building, is that in Acheron, nobody has to do the running of the turkeys. Nobody has to go through the trials of Gobblenox to be recognized as a true adult. However, going through those trials indicates a willingness to put yourself in front of others, to make sacrifices for your community, to be more than just an adult, to be a steward of your place that you live, of the people around you, of people in your family, your friends, anyone that you welcome into your life. And the honor that gets bestowed on you for that is learning a special spell that is connected to this community. And it uses feathers. You are each handed a turkey feather. It is long and fine. One comes from each of the birds that was uh, picked today for, for this run. And they fold your hand over the feather, gripping it firm. And lean in and whisper into your ears. And with that, you feel the magic like swirling through the feather. There is a frisson through your being. You get goosebumps. The hairs in the back of your neck stand on end. And you know that if you write the name of a person on one side of this feather and a message on the other, it will sail to whomever. 
So you've just unlocked texting, which is a really important <laughs> feature for teens. <laughs> <laughs> Zana takes her feather, pulls out a quill, writes, um, what's up? <laughs> on one side, and writes, John it on the other, and blows it away. And as it's you like, blow as you blow it away, you your hand like a feather lands in your hand <laughs> and then on the back it just says, What's good? <laughs> and then John you John it turns to Zana, they work. Oh my god, this is so cool. No matter where we are. No matter where we are. <laughs> That's so cool. <clears throat> <clears throat> Dad, as I'm holding, uh, I like uh, we're we're geeking out mm-hmm. the two of us, and I'm still holding um, mom's hand, and I walk up to dad. I and just, say, um, hey, I, this is my mom. What? This is mom. What? This. What? Is mom? And I look up, and I squeeze, and I say, "It's gonna be okay." Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll! Heroes, we've got lots of exciting announcements for you this week, starting with letting you know that our very own Nathan Blades has contributed to Nether Realms, a sci-fi, non-binary, erotic comics anthology. It's up on Kickstarter right now. It currently has 14 days left to go. They are trying to hit $27,000. They are at $19,000. Nathan is both a co-editor and story writer for this comic anthology. And look, I understand this is erotic work. That is not for everyone. But y'all know how good a storyteller Nathan is. And we're all adults here. Or I at least assume we're all adults here because of the nature of some of the things that happen in this particular podcast. But if you are the type of person who would enjoy queer erotic comics, especially with a sci-fi tint, then go check out Nether Realms. It's funding on Kickstarter right now. You can do that by searching for Nether Realms Sci-Fi Non-Binary Erotic Comics Anthology or by following the link in our show notes. The other thing I want to let you know is that our good friends over at Together Studios, responsible for Illimat, one of the foundational pieces of inspiration for the world of Sphere, are going to be launching a second edition with expansions and other goodies for Illimat. That's going to be available for pre-order at Illimat.com on November 1st at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. We're not invested in this financially in any way. We just love the game and the people who make it. So mark it on your calendars to support them because we're all looking forward to it over here. Heroes, I'm in the middle of trying out a new project, and that is the Social Quarter Circle. It's a fighting game hangout stream for tabletop RPG creators. I've got a two-part agenda here. First, I love fighting games, but I feel like I am pretty bad at them. This is your classics like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Smash Brothers and new games like Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, and really anything I can come across. These are games that I love to play, but I'm not good at them and I want to be. And really the only way you can do that is by playing against other people. The other thing is I miss role-playing game conventions. I miss going to places, meeting new people in the field, and learning about all of the cool things everybody's working on. So, the Social Quarter Circle is going to be a show where we just hang out, play fighting games, and talk about the projects that we're working on in the tabletop field. It's going to be a really laid-back atmosphere, and the chat's going to be able to join us, ask questions, and appreciate two beautiful things, fighting games and role-playing games. We've got three streams of the Social Quarter Circle coming up. On October 5th at 4 p.m., I'm going to be sitting down with Jeff Stormer, uh, right now, it is just Jeff Stormer, and we're going to be playing Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Then on October 12th, starting at 2 p.m. Central Time, we're going to be playing some Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. And on October 26th, 
At 3 p.m. Central Time, we're going to be cracking open the Capcom Fighting Games collection and playing some Darkstalkers to get into the Halloween spirit. You're going to be able to watch all of these streams over at twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg. And I hope everyone can have fun watching me learn, grow, and make new friends. I apologize again about some echo. We are still cleaning up from the flood that rolled through the studio. Hopefully things will be back to normal by next week. And I also want to thank everybody for their patience this week. Uh, this audio was difficult to wrangle, but I'm sure by listening, you know that it was absolutely worth it. I want to thank our backers on Patreon for helping us recover from this studio flood. If you like what you're hearing and you want to make sure that we can keep doing it, please head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to support us. We have some new cool bonus content headed your way soon. I think y'all are going to like it very much. I believe we're going to be able to get it up this Friday. Uh, so subscribe at the $5 level or more. Now then with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. The Kessler family, while this celebration is going on, like good food is being passed around, music is being played, people are walking up trying to offer their congratulations, but like there is a stone serious mood over the Kessler family. One look, I think, at Douglas's face and people know, okay, we will come back and offer our congratulations a little bit later. Where do you secret yourselves off to? And like, I, I kind of feel like, Oromar, you catch D'Antonia's eye. Mm -hmm. You kind of know what's going down, mm. I, I think. How do, you, how do you get involved? How do you step in? I think Oromar does not immediately... Uh, step in. I think he actually takes the time to kind of go back to the ship very briefly and sort himself out. And I will insert myself into the conversation later. Ah, yeah. Using that ever useful ability. Yes. I also <laughs> want to pull Luminary for it, so it's why I'm delaying. Um, mm. Yeah, I guess. Would it make sense? Is it too far of a walk to go back to the house, or should we just like hole away in like a. Yeah, we can go back booth. to the house. Mm. We can say that. Yeah, they, they enjoy a stroll through the streets like most of the town is gathered for the celebration. And it's that eerie sort of quiet of there is celebration happening in the distance, but not in your immediate group. And I kind of think no one is saying anything on the walk, which is a really heavy mood. You're all sort of reeling from what's going on guess uh, Zana is like twirling this new necklace around in her fingers and like and and like anxiously pulling like turkey feathers out and realizing like oh I'm a mess like as soon as we get it I'm gonna try to go get in the shower before anybody else <laughs> <laughs> just be like oh I'm busy I I've gotta I've gotta wash and that's my my first objective I think as like we get closer and closer to the house, Jonnet is kind of taking everyone in and he's getting more and more like visibly like frustrated with like nobody's saying it like what is what and then I think as we approach the front porch, there's Jonnet's just like what is going on okay we we we've we walked a long time no one's got anything to say are we just like wait like building up this tension what's someone say something i zana have, looks at the parents i have a lot of explaining to do to everyone i i okay that's are you zana's captain are you Captain D'Antonia? That is, this is just like, because my mom's name is not D'Antonia, so that'll just answer yes or no, and then this is an open and shut case. Jonnet, I am Zana's captain, but my name is not D'Antonia. 
I changed it. What is... What is your name? My name is Winona. Winona Kessler. And with that, a spell is broken. Speaking her old name aloud. She had undergone a similar ceremony to the one that Travis underwent. She drank the soup. They can have different recipes, different contingents. Uh, When you eat the soup, when someone brews you up a new name, you can commit to it in different ways. It helps someone look at you, and when you tell them the new name, it feels correct. It is a way to hide yourself. But as she says, Winona, the truth becomes apparent. Dantonia never could have been this woman's name. This woman is obviously Winona Kessler. Mom? Her eyes well up with tears again. She just silently nods. I think, John, it starts to, to like, starts for her and then kind of pauses, stops, and, like, looks back at his at his dad and there's almost like a wait which one and so he kind of he stops and before he kind of allows himself to feel all of this in its entirety he has to he kind of feels like he has to check in with his dad and is like are are you are you hearing this zana are are you cool with this wouldn't say i'm cool but i'm processing like I I would have rather have a mom, but I also love my captain. Dad, say something. I think before Douglas can say anything, Johnny kind of just like, all right, gives in and he goes in and kind of gives Winona an embrace. And she hugs you gratefully and she starts to weep. Uh, she can't say anything, but she, it feels like Since the moment she saw you, she has been aching to wrap her arms around you. And now that's finally happening for her. Jonnet is blown away by how familiar that embrace is. And it's like, there's like a faint perfume that has just like stayed in the air. And it's like, oh, I've breathed this in before. I I didn't remember that I missed it. Jonnet, you've grown up so much. Mom, you're... I, I was gonna say you're smaller. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, she laughs through tears. Mom, you... And he, he kind of like, he he pulls away and ha- kind of holds her hands in his and is just like processing how I would assume that they're just like rough and worn and, and worked and... It's just not that his mom was like didn't help out around the house, but it's just like so there's just like someone else's hands, but they're still familiar. It's like you've why? Why would you do this? When you heard that I died, it was because my ship got attacked by a Corsair ship. I was, before your father and I decided that the family should live in Acheron, we were skyjacks. And we lived a different sort of life. We were good at it. But times kept getting more dangerous. After the declaration of ownership, battles were fought and... Most of the work was under the banner of the Red Feather Syndicate, but we knew at that time what kind of people they were. We knew even if we were working for that organization, we couldn't have them around you. So Douglas and I came to the decision that someone had to take the family away, and I would keep working and sending money back so that you could get this little community up and working. Then my ship got hit. And... Tell him who did it. Jonathan. There is a knock at the door. 
It is polite yet firm. Who answers? I would say, John, like, John looks around and is like, I, I guess. And then he goes over to the, <laughs> uh, the door and he, he opens it. Would you want this much my... tension? You still got to do normal things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, answer the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you mind pulling a luminary now before I go in there? Describe yeah. what Armar is doing, wearing. Currently. All right, real quick. What what luminary do we have to pull for oh Armar to enter with a musical number? <laughs> <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> <laughs> we got a really fascinating one. Oh, oh my god! We got the rake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Greed, yeah, appetite, right. oh. cruelty, and resentment. Appetite. Okay. A real nasty boy. Uh, the, okay. I, mean, you know, I want uh, to excuse the interesting myself. Thing about, um, when you <laughs> work with tarot cards, oral cards, or so on and so forth, there are some that are very directly associated with negative ideas. For example, the tower or death. Uh, but they could be interpreted in ways that are much more mundane or even positive, depending on the context. He says, "I see your, I see your card, and I give you." Love to see you somehow interpret the rake good. That'll, that, Nathan, if you want to jump through those hoops. As gluttony I... and death, sure. Knock on the door. I knock on the door. You open it. Standing there is Orimar, who has taken some time to kind of recompose himself. Quite literally, he put his body through much more stress today than he would have at any point when he's had full control under his own body. And it's clearly taken him some time to be able to reset it back to neutral. There is a spiral scarring around one arm that seems to be the remnant of when that was a long snake-like spine whip. Um, There is still almost the faint memory of the, the jaw being detached. He's wearing, I guess, formal wear, actually. This is something that you would go to to a very polite company event if you were invited for a formal dinner, for example. He is carrying a hamper. Inside the hamper is two uh, corked jug bottles, uh, one of red wine, another of the sweet tea. He did, however, he did manage to find the popular sweet tea place earlier in in this particular arc alongside a number of handkerchiefs and uh, food that was prepared upon the Uhuru. Good evening, Jonathan Kessler. I uh, understand that you might be going through a busy period, but there are multiple people here that I wanted to check the welfare of. Uh, Captain, I, I understand. Hey, I don't know if it's really, like, the best time right now. Um, you, you look great, um, but... I think we're kind of going through. Yes, that is um, why I'm here. He starts to say Dantonia and a mixture of maybe there's a slight gurgle in his voice or just the nature of the magic rebalancing the audio as it escapes him. But it's almost as if he says Dantonia and it is overdubbed with Winona. <laughs> Winona previously informed me of the circumstances. So you knew her? You knew her before she was Duawa Winona? Well, I wouldn't say uh, knew on a personal level, but uh, the life of a Mr. Corsair vale is complicated. is the Corsair that hit my ship. It was the Uhuru. Indeed. Your captain, Jonnet, your mentor, this man you look up to, is the one who took your mother from you. Captain? Is... No. Why the fuck are you in my house? Douglas? Douglas, that's not right. No, 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 no. You do not get to speak right now. I do not know who you are. Douglas Kessler, I have been through a lot in the past years. And I did not make it through any of that by letting a man tell me when I can and cannot speak. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I'm so sorry that you have been through a lot. I'm so sorry that you have suffered. I've just, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. I'm sorry. I've just been sitting here living my best life, raising my two beautiful kids by my goddamn self. Torn. 
trying to make it through every day because the literal half of my soul is gone from this world. You have a right to be angry. Angry? But that anger should be directed at me and not necessarily at this man. It was my decision. I was hit by a Corsair. And I had seen what happens to Red Feather captains when their ship is hit by a Corsair. They are not forgiving people, especially not at that point. It was much, much earlier in the time of, 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 of Corsairs being accepted as regular business. It's not the sort of thing that you get today where a, a Corsair ship hits a red feather ship and the captains negotiate out a deal and everybody flies away as long as it doesn't affect the bottom line too much. People would lose everything. But I had in my contract that if I died in the line of duty, then my family got paid out. And it was more than that. The Uhuru, at the time, Captain Vale was with the Tempest Armada. And the deal that he presented to captains and crews was very simple. You could either be left with a stripped ship, or you could realize that the Feathers were not the people you wanted to fly with. And you could join the Armada. And that's what I did. I knew that if I tried to go back to my family, that y'all would never be safe. Never. The Red Feathers take whatever they see as valuable. They grab at whatever they can find. And as long as we live in a world with a Red Feather syndicate, then no one is ever safe. And I... I thought about the kind of world that I wanted Jonnet and Zana to be able to grow up into. And it couldn't be a world with them. And I knew what kind of choice that meant. I knew if I decided to run away and then made contact with you, if they found me, they would find you. If they found me, they would come to whatever peaceful life that you had carved out for yourself in this place and they would burn it to the ground. So I made a decision And I'm not saying it was all right. And I'm not even saying that I should be forgiven for it. But I am saying part of it was right. And I stand by that. My principles have not changed, Douglas Kessler. For as long as I remain a captain of a ship, I will push back against any and all Red Feathers. The colonizing, conniving greedy bastard of an organization that they are. They are consisted of families and in the nature of my line of work I sometimes damage those families. However, it seems that this family could at least be repaired. That's a lot better than some of the others that I've had to defeat in the air. Jonathan Kessler, please do accept this hamper. I hope that uh, the best that the Uhuru can prepare does not compare to the fantastic food of this locale, but I hope it brings you a different form of um, congratulations and comfort. Jonathan kind of hesitates a little bit before accepting the hamper, processing out everything that the captain is has been to him but I think before he consciously says like like accepts it and Mm -hmm. thank you I think his body kind of immediately snaps into the attention of like the captain is your captain is giving you something you accept it and so he sort of catches himself reaching up and accepting the the hampers and nods to the captain and just kind of puts him over on like a, a side coffee table Captain, I want to ask you something, but I feel like I already know the answer. But did did you know who she was? All I knew, Jonathan Kessler, is that she was an astounding sword fighter. Is that 
there is dad his expression is uh, he's not in a position to try and make his face look warm i think that's too many places to spin at once but you can and maybe for the first time in a while feel genuine warmth behind that was a compliment <laughs> a high compliment in fact that Orima offered I changed my name after the Uhuru let us go. Your your captain didn't know until I told him. I mean, I assume he saw me when the Armada met up, but, you know, a, a while after that, he left. But you... Dad, you told me that you built ships... Not, not took them over, not worked for, I mean, we're kids, I get it, you can't tell them everything, but why start off with a lie? You could have told us that you were Corsairs, that, that, that you settled down, you gave it up, you, you, that's something that we should have, you could have saved us a lot more time. We weren't exactly Corsairs. Your father, at least, never was. The, we the, then what was... The, and, and it was like, then what were those tonfas about? Now, I didn't say... We, we, are, we were skyjacks, honey. Oh. And your father knows how to handle himself. And we both fought in the battle surrounding the Declaration of Ownership. Uh, but once that was settled, you know, we, we were good at a trade and we still felt that there was so much heat and one of us stayed captaining and the other prepared a life to start a family. Having been caught in the middle of two parents wanting to have their own independent, separate lives, but also trying to force these two puzzle pieces together... And realizing that everyone just has to have their their side out and not knowing where to place the blame. Now the blame is nowhere to be placed and we just have to continue living in this. Um, Xana pushes in, opens up a cabinet, pulls out bowls. Just this is the anxious like comforter like uh, <laughs> thing. Like it's a natural like this is my role in the family. If we can't move on until we this happens pulling out bowls, dumping in rice, scooping out these, this this gumbo pot that's been stewing for hours and hours and hours and only gets better the longer it's been together. Metaphorical. <laughs> <laughs> like dolloping us all bowls, even, um, even your captain. <laughs> I, I press a bowl into your hand and tell everyone, sit down at the table. We need to be on the same level. Sit down. Very well, Zona Kessler. <sighs> yeah... Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Mystery County Monster Hunters Club, an actual play podcast where the heroes are teens and the teens are a mess. Join a group of well-meaning after-school monster hunters in the year 2006, doing their best to protect a weird little town in the 51st state of Superior. Through the game Monster of the Week, this cast of improvisers confronts cryptids, magic, and the biggest monster of all, feelings. Find Mystery County Monster Hunters Club at mysterycounty.com or on your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for The Shortlist, Summer. 
Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. And once for our friends near to rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, you know we can never deny the call of the sky.